0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Just snuck up on you like a ninja there. Uh, good morning, I'm not Buddy Bell, and uh, you know that because I just had to bring my own stand up here. <laughs> Hope he's watching. Uh, no, I'm Dan. I'm the connections minister here. This is not my, my regular gig uh, to be up here, but but I'm excited to be up here today and uh, really, really thankful. Uh, this is a special day uh, it's a special day because of our strategic ministry partnership that we have with Agape. We're so excited about new partnerships that are growing. Um, God's at work. Amen. I mean, God's at work. He just is. And if, if you're not seeing it, um, let me give you a couple of reasons why. We have an enemy that hates the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he is attacking you all day, every day. And also sometimes we're just really focused on ourselves. So those two things can really cause us to, to miss seeing some of the ways God's at work. But we're going to talk today about how we can just refresh that, that focus and that view. Um, I want to pause right here and just say thanks to our, our community partners who are here today. And we had some other community partners recently on October 29th join us when we had, featured our tables uh, throughout the entire month of October leading up to um, Serve Together Sunday, which was last week. And uh, but but we're excited so uh, from Agape today Caroline Addison is with us she's the community outreach coordinator uh, if you've had pecans or you plan to eat an entire bag of pecans in your car before you leave the parking lot today Caroline made that happen so thank her for your blood sugar issues Stacy Royal is the office manager at Agape and then Steve Dewar the executive director and, and Baron Goins uh, his, his uh, sidekick is that, what it, is that what it says right there on your say sidekick okay I couldn't tell it's dark in here but, uh, Baron, let us in community thoughts. Thank you, Baron, for that. That was powerful. Uh, excited that they're here. We also have Dan Williams, who's the director for DHR for Montgomery County Department of Human Resources. Jennifer Okoye, who's a program manager, working, I think, sidekick is what her, her name tag says as well. And then Katie Lassiter is one of our, our members. Uh, Katie, Melanie Gwynn, Shanna Phillips, and my wife, Leanne, um, head up Father's Heart. Here at Landmark, that's our ministry for foster care and adoption. But we need a lot of partners, and uh, a lot of partners need us. Katie recently found out about the Forgotten Initiative. You're going to get to hear her share a little more about that in in a little while. But some other partnerships we have: Mission Father's Heart. That's our group here. Um, Heart to Heart is a uh, clothes and essential needs. Closet or store, free store to adoptive and foster families. That's housed at Fraser uh, Independent Methodist Church, the backside of their building. They're gracious enough to give uh, heart-to-heart space there, and, and we're a strategic partner with them. CASA which does advocacy. Um, Karen Bone, uh, one of our members, uh, works for, for CASA. Charity Albert, Alpert and her daughter Alexis head that up. And they, they have combined Heart to Heart and CASA as, as partners together. So, and then Lifeline Children's Services, so, so thankful for them. Uh, my family wouldn't be uh, what it is today without um, Agape. Um, we used Agape of North Alabama for, for my daughter Nora's adoption and Lifeline Children's Services for my son, Finn's international adoption in, in China. So I just want to share for a moment why, why it's personal for me and, and why today um, matters so much. So many, many moons ago, when, when my wife and I were, were dating um, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 24 years ago, um, I know, like, you look like 29. So how, how's that even possible? Well, we started dating young. But uh, about 24 years ago, we were dating, and, and foster care and adoption, oddly enough, was something that came up when we were dating, uh, when we were thinking. We could both kind of tell that, that we wanted to hang out for a long time and, uh, and probably get married one day. And, but it was just kind of a conversation, right? It was an abstract concept. It was just kind of something floated that sounded like a, a nice idea. Scripture definitely supported it, but, um, but it seemed way off, you know, one day. You kinda, it was like now, and then you're thinking like, one day, and one day came uh, we, we were just so so fortunate and, and just blessed uh, our, our oldest two children, our birth children um, ava who 's sixteen sam who 's fourteen and so we had a young family We, we had a small family i don 't remember how big I was at the time, but our two daughters were very small and, and liam 's very petite, um, but we had just a young, small family. And you know, it was one day, it was kind of far off, and then Leanne came to me with tears in her eyes and said, uh, Now? And I replied in so many words, Are you sure? Because I was terrified. And uh, she was sure. God had set the lonely in her heart. She had actually been up uh, during the night um, feeding uh, our youngest child, um, Sam, who was just a baby. And God had set the lonely in her heart, and while I was getting probably eight or nine hours of sleep and was adequately rested in the morning, and she was sleep-deprived and shared this, I wish I had been a little more receptive at the time, but um, she was leading our family in that space. The Holy Spirit was really working on her heart, and so she, she led. We walked together through that, but she was out in front a little bit, so my are you sure now is the right time, I was looking at, you know, all the things. And she was just looking at Jesus and saying, yeah, yeah, now's the time. So that started a process of us being foster parents for a couple of years. We had uh, between 20 to 25 uh, kids. We'd have to make a list because sometimes it was just for a a weekend or sometimes it was for a few weeks or months. But in about two to two and a half years, we had over 20 kids that, that spent time in our home. And then came the time where the one-day thing, she said now. And uh, she, she, the Spirit was at work, and she felt like it was time for us to uh, start working towards an adoption. And I'm so glad we did, because I still kind of question, like, are you sure? Are you sure now is the right time? And uh, so, so our beautiful daughter, Nora, uh, through Agape of North Alabama, became part of our family. And then uh, a few years later, our son, Finn, through Lifeline Children's Service, became part of our family through from Guangzhou, China. Um, those are both long stories that I made as short as I can today because we've got other things to talk about. But this is, uh, this is personal and this is special because God saw fit um, for, for my wonderful wife um, to just be full of his Holy Spirit and, and called in this way. And slowly but surely I caught up to her because God is good. We're going to talk about koinonia today. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that made that possible for us. Leanne was out in front of me a bit. And so Agape, for our first adoption, played a huge role in us being foster parents and us having those conversations about what does adoption look like? Is this something that we that we can even do? So Agape played a big part. And I'm sure it was probably on the tip of every one of your tongues if I said there were two just kind of essential um, things that played such a big role. Adoption agency, maybe you got that one. And I'm sure everybody was thinking the next... Of course, koinonia, right? Anybody was just ready to say that? It's just a word I'm sure is part of your everyday language. I know it is mine because I'm so smart. I say things like koinonia when I get up here and speak with you, but uh, don't know that I've, I may have said it like five times in my entire life. But we're going to talk about koinonia today because it matters. And koinonia is not necessarily something that you or I can adequately describe, but you know it when you see it. You know it when you feel it because koinonia is holy. It's a Greek word that in a human effort attempts to describe something that even through the inspired Holy Spirit of God we kind of have to see it and feel it like Thomas who gets a bad rap being called doubter when I would just say human Thomas when he wanted to touch the Lord's wounds to know that it was him. Like regular guy Thomas who just wasn't so sure Well, koinonia is something that can confirm a lot of things for us this morning. So let's talk about what koinonia is. What is koinonia? And you can follow along and fill these in. Koinonia, I believe, is partnering. I want to talk about a few guys that knew a thing or two about partnering. Um, Partnering in the first century church for Peter, James, and Paul looked a lot like pulling together and trying to figure out how they were going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, advancing the gospel, and not get killed that day. Knowing that if they did, they were going to be with their resurrected Savior, their Messiah. But they were trying to get to others, share letters with others. So they needed each other. Uh, James and Peter, having spent time with Jesus, James being the brother of Jesus. And we see in Scripture, Jesus' brothers not even fully believing he was who he claimed to be. Who we know he, he is as the Son of God. They knew him as their brother. And then Peter, who denied Jesus three times and yet... Spoke, preached the good news, the gospel. Hey, that guy you killed, you killed the wrong guy. That same guy wants to save you. And thousands upon thousands gave their lives to Jesus that day. That's that Peter that denied Christ three times before a rooster crow. And then we have Paul who was persecuting the first century church, killing Christians, imprisoning Christians. And he did not live and walk and learn from the, the physical Jesus before the death, burial, and resurrection. But Jesus definitely uh, encountered Paul and, and Paul, Jesus encountered Saul, and, and Saul became Paul through an encounter with Christ. But their perspectives, one thing we know that they understood full well is the need for partnership, the need for embracing each other, encouraging each other, building each other up. Koinonia is partnering, it's partnering in the gospel, it's also fellowship, a sweet, sweet fellowship made up of a bunch of people who can be really annoying at times. I know. You're like, not me. Well, you. Yeah, you and me and all of us because we're different on purpose. We're made that way. Just like we sang earlier from my mother's womb, you know, you were knit there. And then we are now a child of God. And you can fight that, and you can wrestle with it. We're going to talk in a moment about some ways that we do that as humans. Or you can just relent. You can quit wrestling. Maybe God won't have to dislocate your hip, and then you walk with a limp the rest of your life the way that we see in Scripture with that wrestling with God. Maybe, Maybe you let him just wreck your heart and work on you in a way before it gets to that point. But if we'll just let go and surrender, he will do incredible things, and this fellowship koinonia is such a part of that it's so important koinonia is also sharing sharing everything sharing our time sharing our encouragement our instead of holding on why do we say happy birthday why do you say happy anniversary why do you say i love you because sharing matters can't we just assume that someone knows that you can if you're married that's dumb you're going to be in trouble don't they just why do they need a gift They know my heart is just really set on them for all of time, and that is enough. No, it's not enough. You need to go buy something and give them a gift. Spending time with each other, giving, encouraging, building each other up, it matters. So we share. Koinonia is also participation. Participate. You're needed. You are uniquely gifted and equipped for the glorification of God our Father, Jesus Christ, His Son, and His Holy Spirit. And you're not alone. Koinonia is participating in this. Koinonia is contributing. Today, we're going to take up a special offering, just a little bit. You'll hear more about if you're new and haven't been here on an Agape Orphan Sunday before. But contributing is not just resources. Even though everything comes from God, you might think you're a good gift giver, right? You may, you may think that you've given some good gifts. Um, I know in anticipation of the upcoming holidays, uh, one of my children, I won't say which one, I'll just say she, and that, ne- that knocks out 25% of my kids when I say she, so... And so I'm not going to call any names, but she came up with her list of what she would like. She was so kind as to detail. It's the most detailed I've ever seen this kid be. If you see her bedroom, you would know that this like just kind of came out of left field. Most detailed list I've ever seen. Itemized. Got the exact amount of each thing. And she was so kind as to the bottom of the list, she put down how much under budget she was. <laughs> Who? Whose budget? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't at that meeting. I go to a lot of meetings here. I wasn't at that meeting. Who, who came up with a budget? Well, she did. And she was so proud that she came under budget. It's like, whew, you and me are on different budgets. And everybody else who has a hand in it, Santa Claus, everybody, we need to get on the same page about budgets because uh, that ain't it. But you may think you've given a good gift, whether it really had monetary value in this world. And we do, we get excited about sharing. And it is better to give than to receive. We know that. It feels, It strikes a chord in your heart. But contributing the heart of that, the sweet fellowship that comes from giving and receiving, that's koinonia. Let's go to Galatians 6 two as we move along. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's koinonia. And we do that So that so much more for the glory of God can happen. But we must carry each other's burdens and in this way fulfill the law of Christ. Romans 12, 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And Romans 12, 15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Some of you in this room right now are mourning one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult things in your entire life. That's what happens when we gather as family. Some of you online You are mourning and you are hurting in a way you've never known. Also, someone in this room, someone online, is rejoicing and celebrating something that's so special and and so important in their lives. That's family. We're always hurting and we're always celebrating. But koinonia allows us to walk with each other through that. Romans 12, 15 highlights it. Let's talk about what koinonia is not. Koinonia is not selfish. It's not holding on to those gifts, those talents. Jesus himself said, Don't bury it in the ground. Don't play it safe. If you come up with a ministry idea, if you put yourself out there, if you take risk and it doesn't go the way you hoped, you didn't bury it. And if it goes the way you hoped or better because God's Holy Spirit is way out in front of you on it anyway, and you partner with others, because our challenge here is to recognize you don't serve anywhere by yourself. We serve together here. So don't feel like you're all alone. Don't hold on to those gifts. And isolation is our next. Don't buy into the lie that you deserve to be isolated or you should be isolated from others. That's simply not true. Alienation, similar but a little bit different, kind of a caveat here for alienation. Um, Intentionally just kind of separating yourself because no one else would understand. We just alienate. Nobody, if they really knew who I was, right? Well, that's a lie directly from the enemy that we have in this life who cares about three things, killing, stealing, and destroying. So if you're buying into that lie and you experience alienation, that is an attack from Satan. And koinonia is a direct attack on that. It's a defense and it's an offensive strategy. Be together, do not alienate. Koinonia is not passivity. Someone else will do it. Buddy referenced that last week with serve together. Somebody else will handle that. Not really my thing. Really? I mean... What, what is our th- I'd say koinonia is our thing. It's that sweet uh, fellowship, that, that pulling together, doing together what none of us can do alone, which we will do shortly for Agape, and what we will do for DHR and all of our other partners, what none of us can do by ourselves. So it's not passivity. It's also not apathy. It's not just not caring, not giving a rip. You can't be apathetic about koinonia because it means everything for us. We need it. It's, it's being together, even when we get on each other's nerves. My wife does not keep a list of how many times, I don't think, a mental record of how many times I've gotten on her nerves because that is endless. It's, it's every day, more of the day than I'm okay with. But like that's we cannot keep up with this idea of, because we struggle or wrestle with each other at times, just have hard conversations, talk to each other in love. Bear it out so that we can spur each other on for good things. Because we are here from James in just a second. And he basically said, you believe? Okay. Yeah. There's a bunch of people that believe. Got some demons that believe. You're going to have to do something with that faith. So that's, that's where apathy is not koinonia. So let's go to James one twenty-seven. So we close this part of the, the, our talk up. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. And, and I don't know... If James, when, when he's sharing this, writing it, speaking it, conversationally, if he puts his hand with someone and he says, it's this. I don't know if there's a child right there who is, because we see in Isaiah, we see throughout the Old Testament, God is a father to the fatherless. Guess how he does that, you and me? We're his hands and feet. If he's going to defend the fatherless, he does it through us. We are the physical representation of Jesus Christ in this life, right now. If you're drawing a breath, that's you, that's me, that's us. So he says, if it's pure and faultless, it's this. And I just wonder if there's, there's a widow, there's a child, an orphan right there, and he says it's right here. To look after orphans and widows and their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's James one twenty-seven. Our next slide, I believe this is descriptive, not prescriptive. Maybe he was talking about someone right there, or he was just referencing what he sees and what God saw in the church right there. But it's not prescriptive as if, if we just do this, we don't have to worry about anything else. Like, this this is not our salvation. James says, show me me your faith without works. It's dead. It needs to be resuscitated. It it has no life. It has no breath in it. Because if we have surrendered to Jesus, given our life to him, we will answer the calling that, that God's given us. But koinonia is what produces diakonia. The spirit of koinonia, us together, it's how we serve together. It's how we do incredible things for the glory of God that we could not do alone. So to con- continue in that conversation, I want to invite Steve Durer up. If we can get some help, just all three stools brought on up, and then Katie Lassiter is going to join us in a moment. But I'm going to bring Steve up um, to share about Agape and share about our partnership there. Appreciate it. Thank you. So, Steve, you were with us about a year ago today. And uh, you shared with us about um, maternity, and I know a lot of us probably think about agape and we think foster care, we think about adoption. But, but update us, tell us about agape and, and maternity care.
1: Sure, uh, it's always great to be here at Landmark. Uh, so last year, we were still learning some things. So I wanna give you an update on what we've learned by going backwards just a little bit. If we can do the first slide there, okay. So. October of 2021, to give you some context of what normal was for Agape, we were serving six pregnant women at the beginning of that fiscal year. The next slide is gonna show you that in the first nine months of that fiscal year, we added 20 more moms and served 26 moms during that time. Well, at the end of June, the Dobbs decision happened. That's the next slide. See that little Supreme Court building on the thing? That's the Dobbs decision that said the state has its ability to make its own rules regarding abortion. And it was about that time that I came here. Uh, Actually, it was a bit later, but go to the next slide. We already saw a jump from the end of June till the end of September, we served 10 more women. So we served 20 new moms in nine months 10 in three months. And then the next slide will show you that we started October 22 with 16 expectant moms we were working with. So 16 expectant moms. And that's where we were here with you guys last year saying, with this growth, if we don't get some help, we're going to have to decide, do do we serve this mom or do we not serve this mom? You guys responded. And because of you, Let me show you the number of moms that we served last year, last fiscal year. 65.
0: Yeah, amen.
1: 65 moms who came to us in crisis. And you'll you'll notice that some of those moms have a different color. Some of those are blue. Because that's the moms that were still active working with us and pregnant on October one of this year. So we've gone from six to 16 to 23 moms on October one this year. We don't see the number slowing down yet. It's still going up. We're seeing at least 15 to 17 new moms a quarter right now. So if that number keeps up, we're going to be over 80 this year with the way things are going. But when you look at those figures that are up there, those icons that represent each pregnant mom that we served, they represent two souls. And sometimes those moms make adoption plans with us. Sometimes they choose to parent. But we don't always get to hear what happens to the mom down the road. I want to share two quick stories with you. The first happened right after Agape Sunday here last year. We had a uh, one of our pregnancy center partners called us and said we have a mom who's 34 weeks pregnant. She's been hiding the pregnancy from her family, and she wants to make an adoption plan. So our staff went and met with her family, and um, the kind of plot twist was the family wasn't from America. The family was Hindu, and we made it real clear when we met with them. Hey guys, we're a Christian organization and we only place with Christian families. If that's a problem. We can refer you to somewhere else, and they can help you. And the father said, no, that's okay. We just want this to go away. And as we talked, he listened very intently, and he finally said, so you'll be at the hospital. And my worker said, yes, sir, we'll be at the hospital. He said, the whole time. And she said, as long as you want us there, we'll be there. And he said, but you're Americans. What if the baby's born on Christmas Day? Will you be there if it's Christmas Day? And My worker said, yes, sir. We'll be there even if it's Christmas Day. Well, the baby was not born on Christmas Day. He was born two days early. So two days before Christmas Day means discharge is Christmas Day. And our worker was there and helped the mom and her mom get home and get settled. And I did something I'm not supposed to do on Christmas Day. I opened my work email. And in my work email that afternoon, I had an email from this young lady that said, Mr. Dewar, I just want to tell you what a great job she did taking care of our family, making sure the doctors knew our wishes, the hospital knew our wishes. And today, on Christmas Day, she found a pharmacy open so I could get my medicine so I could be comfortable. And then she said, Mr. Dewar, we're Hindu. We don't really believe in Jesus. But she showed us how Jesus is without ever saying his name. And I'm thinking, that seed has been planted now. God can give increase, but the seed's been planted. We don't know what's the future for that young lady, but I'm excited to know the start. Of things, That child is now in an agape adoptive family doing real well, and they're maintaining contact with each other. Another mom that we served was in a really hard situation. One of the surprises that we've learned over the last year is we've seen an increase in the number of moms who come to us who have a domestic violence situation going on at home. And they don't know what to do, and they're overwhelmed. And our first priority, of course, is the mom's safety in those situations. So we helped this mom get some safety, helped her connect to some resources that could help her. And not long ago, our worker did a follow-up visit with her to see how she was doing. And as she was leaving, the mom said, do you have some cards I can have? And our worker said, sure, but why do you need my cards? And she said, well, I've been telling everybody that I know who's pregnant to call agape because agape saved my life. We often focus on the baby, Mm -hmm. but the work that we're doing is also strongly impacting mom's lives and mom's futures. So I say thank you because without you guys, we wouldn't be impacting the number of lives that you're impacting through us. Thank you.
0: Thank you for those stories. And I think that highlights what we've been talking about to do together what none of us can do alone, tell us about foster care and, and where, where that's at with Agape and, and how you guys are approaching that. So we had
1: a busy year in foster care as well. Sometimes it gets uh, hidden right now with the, the growth that we've seen in our maternity program. But we served 120 children in foster care this year. Some stayed for just a night. Some stayed forever. That 's through our four different sites that we had that we served one hundred and twenty children. Now, you know, Dan, you mentioned it so well at the beginning we, we don 't do this alone. Right. We have partners that we work with, um, and one of our partners is DHR they 're the ones who call us to say, "Hey, we have a kiddo that needs a, a family. Can you find a home for this kid?" And it 's always hard to say no, but it 's gotten harder lately because Our system is in a crisis in general. And right now, on a regular basis from multiple counties, we're getting the call that says, um, if you don't have a home for this child, the child's likely gonna spend the night on a cot in our office. And what really broke our hearts was there was a sibling group of three boys that were nine and under and had never been separated. And these workers were trying so hard to keep these brothers together and not separate them. And I'm thinking, yeah, they need to be together. That's a, that's a relationship we want to honor and sustain. But we got to have more resources to do it. we got to have more homes, and we got to have more support to support the homes that are there. So um, we want to be a part of the solution. We want to be, you know, my goal, long range, is... Not that we say we have a home, but it's when we can say, let's find the best home for this child because we've got more than enough homes to meet the needs that are there. Yeah.
0: Well, I know it's, a def- it's definitely a multifaceted approach, but the bottom line, it's all for the same reason. None of us in this room, no one anywhere is okay with a child on a cot in, in an office. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's not okay. We, we, want, we want children, and you know who, first and foremost, is not okay with that? The workers that have the incredibly difficult task of going on site on location and, and disrupting for, for health reasons mm-hmm. for, for the betterment of the child and, and hopefully Lord willing for, for reconciliation. the goal of foster care is is that reconciliation if, if, um, if things work in the right direction, nobody who works for Montgomery county DHR any state any county in the state is okay with with struggling and wrestling so That's why they're here with us today. I'm going to invite Katie Lassiter to come up. And uh, Katie um, recently, and I I want her and Steve to be up here, Steve representing Agape, and Katie's a member here at Landmark. Um, Ben and Katie and their boys, Jack and Mason, became a a foster family, um, licensed, certified um, through the partnership that Agape and DHR have together. Um, But they became a foster family through DHR, and Katie came across something called The Forgotten Initiative, TFI. Katie, tell us about that.
2: Okay. Well, my motivation was our first placement, a baby girl that came to us last June. She stayed with us seven months. And throughout her case, I was able to really see the brokenness of the system. And it just was really painful to see. And I really wanted to help. I just, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to make a positive change, but I had no idea what to do or where to start. It just seemed like such a big ocean and nowhere to go. Um, But as I was renewing my license this summer, I came across the Forgotten Initiative. And the Forgotten Initiative exists to help the church meet the needs of the foster care community. And they have advocates all over the country that are doing just that. They have ministries that are doing that. And I thought this could really help me, help point me in the right direction, give me some guidance on how I can make a difference. So I became an advocate for them, and then we just started a brand new ministry here in Montgomery County.
0: And so that new ministry and that new partnership, um, TFI, Forgotten Initiative, really equipped Katie to get a, a focus point, and your focus point became DHR. Tell us about that.
2: That's correct. Um, so through working with TFI, I was really pointed towards our agency, our foster care um, agency, DHR, and the struggles that our agency workers face every day and the um, the heavy burdens that they carry in their job. The um, average turnover rate for um, our agency workers is about six months, the ones in foster care, because their job is so strenuous and demanding and heavy. They are on the front lines fighting for these children, and they are dealing with things that are honestly just hard to hear about, and they are in that case working it. And, and um, that
0: no child should ever go through and that no, no adult should, should have to go to the, the rescue of, but they, but they do.
2: That's correct. And it's very painful. And so they have these very heavy burdens. And so we as the church can help carry that burden, help lighten their load. Um, like Dan brought up that verse earlier. And um, so Danny and Jennifer were kind enough to meet with me um, at DHR and just tell me some of the needs of the agencies. So... Um, one need is uh, a volunteer base, a group of volunteers that can come and sit with these children that they were speaking of that are taken into foster care, but they don't have a home to go to yet, and the workers are working tirelessly to find a place for them to go, but these children are sitting at the agency, so they need volunteers who can come to the agency and sit with the child, play games, entertain them, maybe transport them somewhere. Um, feed them, get them food. There are a number of things that you could do to help those children, and in doing so, it frees up the caseworker to continue to work on the cases, and lightens their load a lot. Um, The second thing, um, our agency workers need encouragement. They Mm -hmm. need to know that they're seen, that the work that they're doing is valuable, it's important in our community, and that they are not alone, that they are cared for, and they are prayed for. And so we need a team of encouragers that can help do that. Um, uh, As it was already mentioned, foster homes are a huge need. So in Montgomery County alone, we have 250 children in care. We have 39 licensed foster homes in this county that are licensed by the state. Now, Agape and other private organizations add some homes to that number, thankfully, but there's still a large deficit. So we need foster homes. We need homes um, that can provide emergency care for just a short term or for um, respite care. And so for those of you, there are a lot of people out there who feel like they want to help, but they don't have the capacity to keep a child in their home for a long period of time, but they um, can help do this. This is something you can do to help the children that doesn't require them being in your home long-term, but you can interact with them and share Jesus with them and with these agency workers and just spread the love of Jesus. Let them know that you care.
0: Amen. And, and, And doing together as a whole what not just one, any of us can go do. There's something for for everyone. Um, If you're wondering, well, how would I, how do I even learn more about becoming a foster parent? If we can put that next slide up, I'm gonna let Steve tell you just a little bit about an interest meeting that's coming up. And this is not, you show up to this meeting and they hand you a baby, okay? (laughs) If some of you, that's what you're looking for, you're gonna be disappointed. And if for some of you, you're terrified of that, you should be relieved right now because they don't know you and they don't trust you yet. But through a partnership, they can get to know you and trust you. But, but Steve, tell us about this meeting.
1: So our foster care team is hosting a meeting on December 4th at 6 p.m. at the Vaughan Park Church of Christ. And that's where our Agape's offices are, so that's why we're hosting it there. But if you're interested in learning more about taking the next step to be a foster parent, this is a meeting for you. You're not saying yes, you're just saying, I want to learn more. And We're excited. You know, just a a year ago, we had a meeting like this after this Agape Sunday. We have several families who are now foster parents and ministering because of that meeting. So it makes a difference in the lives you're touching. If I can just real quickly wrap up a quick story. So we had 21 children be reunified this year out of that 120 we served. We also had 21 be adopted. Most of them were large sibling groups who were adopted. One was a sibling group of five kiddos. And when they went into court, they ranged from two to 13. When they went into court, one of the court officials asked the seven-year-old, do you know why you're here? And she said, to be adopted. And she said, do you know what that means? And her older sister replied for her and said, it means we get to stay forever. Forever. And you know, Dan, at the end of uh, the 23rd Psalm, it says that we get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That idea of forever, whether it's reunification or adoption, is key. But to do that, we've got to have the help on everybody in the system to make that work.
0: Amen. Can you guys thank them for helping me up here today with the interviews? i let you all step down. So guys, what we're about to do what we're about to do together is what none of us could do by ourselves. And we've talked about it. We've talked about the spirit of this, this fellowship and that we we're called to, to take steps. So, so I'm going to uh, pray uh, while our worship team gets ready. Our goal is $18,000, and that is uh, meeting our weekly budget. And then everything above our weekly budget goes towards that $18,000. We far surpassed it last year. Um, I know God is at work. Um, today It's been a powerful day. Thankful for Steve and Katie. Um, so the goal is 18000 That's everything above our weekly budget. And uh, if you're going to give, we can put that slide up. There's ways to do it online. And um, you can do that online. You can write a check. You, you can do, if you write a check, make it out to Landmark, um, not Agape. That, that helps us. Uh, in in our effort, Um, but find a way to do that. We're going to pray over this offering, and then I just want you to know that as the worship team starts leading us in this song, if you need prayer today, I'm actually going to ask um, anyone who's here from from our services, from from DHR, from Agape, um, uh, Demetria Scott uh, works with Safi. She's out of town, I believe, this weekend. But anybody who works and anybody who's been impacted or you want to be a prayer warrior for these, this is going to be part of our response time. Come up, please. I did not ask Danny and Jennifer. It was okay for us to lay hands on them but I'll ask forgiveness, I guess. But come up and pray with them and and lay hands and let's move together. Pray with me over this offering in this time. God, as we uh, enter into our offering, our giving today, we're also entering into a time of response. And if anyone just needs prayer and needs to be loved well, we pray that they'll find this front row. This front row is always open. And for Danny and and Jennifer and and Katie uh, with the Forgotten Initiative and everyone with Agape and all the agencies and and nonprofits and ministries that we talked about earlier, uh, it, it takes all of us to answer this call. So we pray for this offering right now, this love offering that you move and stir in the hearts of our family. In Jesus' name, amen.